0: Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our virtual podcast studio, Devin Andrews and Jackie Peters, who both work at the Charleston County Public Library System in Charleston, South Carolina. So welcome both of you to the podcast.
1: Thank you
2: so much.
0: Thanks for having us. Glad you're here virtually. Um, so, tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and what you both do. And, Jackie, let's go ahead and start with you.
2: Okay, so I am the Children's Programming Coordinator for Charleston County Public Library. I have been in this current position for almost a year. Um, I have worked for Charleston County Public Library since 2008 in various roles, but all in children's services. So I love working with uh, the children ages 11 and younger uh, age group. Um, And I love planning children's programming. So this is my dream job. And basically what I do is I coordinate system-wide children's events for the library system and also work with community partners that we can do events system-wide and also serve as a bridge to our branches, the staff and the children's services, so that I can um, connect them with these community partners and different
0: opportunities. Great. And Devin, what do you do at the library?
1: I am the manager of community engagement for for the Charleston County Public Library. So I oversee both the programming department, which, um, as Jackie talked about, not only encompasses the children's programming, which is uh, awesome and extensive, but also uh, the young adult programming we do for teens and the adult programming as well in addition to the outreach we do in the community. So that includes you know, all the visits we do to senior centers and preschools and beyond, and our exciting new mobile library that we're hoping to roll out, pun intended, uh, in the not too distant future.
0: Great, and I think, you know, uh, one thing is, as both of you are saying what you do, I think a lot of people, um, maybe who are not that familiar with libraries and especially with large library systems like the Charleston County Public Library System, they don't realize that you need your kind of staff to be able to do everything that you do, you know, specializing in youth and children's services and specializing in community engagement. They're, they're, they're really important things to make sure that people in the communities. Know what's going on at the library. And uh, by the way, as an aside, just so you both know, I actually started my career at the Charleston Public Library years and years ago. I was reference and interlibrary loan when it was in the old building on Marion Square. So I have fond memories wow. of, of being there. That's awesome. So, talk to us a little bit about what kinds of summer reading activities you guys have done in the past. And then, conversely, How things are different this year because of COVID 19?
2: Sure. So, normally for the summer reading activities, we would offer eight weeks of in person programs. Um, This would be a combination of paid performers as well as staff led programs such as craft programs, maybe book clubs, science programs, STEM programs. Um, So, with covid-19 and having to close down we canceled all of our in-person programs and i actually was able to reach out to the performers that we had planned to book and to see if they had the capabilities to offer, you know, virtual programs and some of them were <laughs> able to and What we ended up doing is broadcasting those programs that the pay performers recorded through our Facebook platform. And we did do a few Facebook lives. We worked with the South Carolina Aquarium. They did something really fun and new called Critter Calls, which were a 15 minute kind of live look into, you could select a different animal that you wanted to meet and they would answer questions. So that was really fun. Um, we've had Magicians, uh, B-Rad, Magician, he did a Facebook Live recently. and uh, But then the other performers that we had planned to have uh, in person, like Pork Chop Productions. So we also had uh, Didgeridoo Down Under, Puppet Time Machine Theater. They're from Columbia, South Carolina. And it's great that we were able to still offer these performers. And even though they're a virtual, I know that for the virtual, for performers in general, um, this is the coronavirus and closures has really hit them hard. Um, So I'm glad that they were able to still be a part of our summer reading programs.
0: What was the most popular animal on the critter call? (laughs) What did did the kids want to see the most?
2: (laughs) Well, we had an alligator we had a owl and we also had the turtle the alligator and the owl those were the three yes so i would say i would say that the turtle was pretty popular but actually so we did them all in one day and we had one in the morning one in the afternoon and one at night and I feel like the evening one may have gotten more views and they allowed us to keep the archive of it. We, we don't have to take it down at all. So that has allowed more engagement with the program. So I think for, I know a lot of performers were hesitant to put their program out there in the internet um, for, forever just because they're trying to protect their art, but it also allows, you know, community engagement, and so it's a whole new world. It's hard to kind of decipher what's right and what's wrong.
0: It It is, and definitely it, it makes for trying to figure out how to do things differently online because we were all forced into doing everything online, and that was the other question I had is, you know, when you're in person and you're doing a crafting project, how do you translate crafting into online? Because people have to have their own supplies. Right. Um, for many of those, we tried to stick to really
1: things that you're going to have that on average, most families are going to have on hand at their house. We didn't use anything too hard to obtain or too uh, we didn't use some of the special things that you might see in the library itself because we know that parents might not have access to that. But in addition to the virtual programs, because we know some kids, we just can't can't reach through those. I mean, we're reaching so many more in some ways that couldn't come to a library program that was during the day because the parents took work or whatever, um, that we're reaching more people through virtual ways, but also not reaching some people at all who don't have access to to the internet of computers. So ever since um, the branch has reopened to start doing curbside, which is what we're doing right now, um the branches put together what we're calling take and make activities and they did those for kids for teens and for adults so it's kind of everything you need in a bag um, with uh the supplies the instructions to do a cool stem experiment or a craft or an activity at home so that they're getting to do that tangible um thing that we're providing the supplies for
0: and did you have any issues with people picking up things like did you have a line of 25 cars trying to get to the library I think it's, we're not. We don't
1: have the day-to-day experience with being in the branch to see to navigate it, but I do know that the branches have been really on top of of, of scheduling people to pick up their holds and then adapting for for those, of course, that do just show up. Um, but I think it's been pretty as smooth as it can be um, so far. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely different for community engagement. So I know that uh, Devin, your job has probably changed insanely and you've just had to probably make up things as you go along.
1: Definitely. Um it's a lot of lot of flexibility, but I'm super proud of of my department, of Jackie and of the branch staff to be able to just turn on a dime. I mean really we started doing these virtual programs. It feels like a week after everything happened after all the closures in March, you know, I think we were ahead of the game and just, and then Jackie was able to just completely pivot doing this whole summer reading program, just doing an online model. Um, definitely a lot of flexibility required for, for, for what we do to, to keep up. And it changes day to day, you know, you never know. We don't, we don't know when we'll reopen to have the public inside. We don't know when we'll be able to resume in-person programs. So it's just really going day to day and seeing like what can we do now to meet the needs um, of the folks that we wanna serve.
0: And that kind of brings up the question, Jackie, when you are working with children uh, on site, there are a lot of protocols that I'm sure you probably have to have in place about sterilizing and cleaning a lot of the reusable supplies that you have on hand. Is that anything that you've given thought to for when you do get back? Well,
2: I know, and again, I'm in kind of the same boat as Devin, where I don't work in a branch specifically, so I'm not on the front lines um, necessarily day to day, but um, I know at the branches, they have taken all of the, anything like the toys and um, anything that would be touched by kids, they've they've taken those off the floor. um, So, which is, difficult because we've talked about you know the library the children's department that's a space where you want people to be engaged in community and for kids to play and to learn and explore and a lot of times um, families that come in they might not have these toys and um, things that they can interact with so it's really difficult to you know uh, we our director has said we're making our libraries not not, not that they're not friendly, but like we're taking away a lot of the resources that we are wanting to offer to families. So, you know, we have books, we have uh, internet computers, but all those other fun toys and games for now. They're, as When they plan to reopen to the public, um, they're not going to have those out on the floor.
0: And I even thought about um, telescopes, because I know some of your branches actually offer telescopes to be checked out so that kids or families or anyone who is interested can use those. And you think about when something like that is returned, now we have to be more thoughtful about sterilizing and cleaning and, and all that.
1: Definitely. And right now, um, all of the returns are done through the book drops so that staff can quarantine the books for the appropriate amount of time. But of course, the telescopes and the, the digital magnifiers I and mean, the things that we circulate, the non-traditional items that would not do, we either wouldn't fit in a book drop or would be, could be damaged, you know, they we, that's the reason we can't circulate those now. But libraries reopen to the public that we can look at ways to safely get those checked out again because, you know, that's a great resource that the library offers. We want to keep as many doors open as we can.
0: Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of the key focus of our conversation today. And that's summer reading because most every library I've ever heard of has some form of summer reading program and generally it's concentrated towards uh, children and, and youth and teens but sometimes there are adult summer reading programs and there are even winter reading programs. It just really depends. So uh, can both of you kind of talk to why maybe you think your summer reading program is important in your community?
2: Sure, I'll start. Um, So summer reading, of course, is one of the biggest programs that we offer. And the main reason that it's important is that it encourages children and teen to continue reading throughout the summer when they're not in school. As we know from numerous studies, uh, there's something called the summer slide or summer reading loss. So in order to prevent kids from forgetting things and regressing from what they learned from the previous year, summer reading program helps for them to continue to flex those skills and to continue learning so and the other thing that the other reason that summer reading is really important is that it helps to develop lifelong um, habit for reading so a lot of times kids that they get into the habit of reading for summer reading and so then they'll successively um, participate from year to year so it just helps to to build that habit of reading and then of course we have some really great prizes that we offer so that's a nice incentive uh, for even for anyone um, reluctant readers sometimes need that extra um, incentive and push so so yeah we still we still offer some prizes we work with community partners I wasn't sure how if community partners that we had planned to work with pre-COVID would still be able to and um, I reached out to all of them and for the most part, they all were able to participate. So that was really great.
1: I was going to add. I mean, Jackie, you summed it up perfectly. Um, I think it's just to to reinforce the idea and that libraries are the place for out-of-school learning. So when you're not, when the kids aren't in school, whether that's after school during the school year or whether it's in the summer, that we have the resources to keep kids engaged with with literacy and with you know their education and in fun ways, and then they get these cool uh, these incentives for reading. I mean, reading of course is its own reward, but you also get some pretty
2: sweet prizes.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> So, speaking of okay.
0: speaking of prizes, what's the best prize that that students really try to reach for?
2: I would say this year um, we have T-shirts that we're giving away for when they reach that thirty-hour or eighteen hundred point level. So that's for the kids program, for the teen program, and for the adult program. And we worked with Turning Leaf Project, which is a local a Nonprofit organization that men who were incarcerated and uh, putting them back into the workforce. So they do all of the screen printing for the T-shirts. So and the T-shirts um, are fantastic. I mean,
1: they're, super, they're super soft. The design's awesome. Um, and not so not only do we get these great T-shirts so we get to give as prizes, but we got to support a really fantastic organization and the good work they're doing with the community.
2: And also when all the businesses shut down, Turning Leaf Project had to lay off uh, 30 of their uh, men. And with our order of the summer reading t-shirts, they were able to hire them back. So it was a really nice uh, way that we could support them and also to offer this really awesome prize for all ages um, in our summer reading program.
0: Definitely, that's that's wonderful when you're able to know that you're able to continue supporting an organization that's doing some great stuff like that. Um, one of the things that popped into my brain is when you talked about the 30 hours as the goal that the participants need to reach. It popped into my brain that summer reading has changed a lot over the years. I remember when summer reading was books. You would read books. And it seems like summer reading has morphed into, instead of how many books you read and the requirements for those books, you have a broad spectrum of things, because there might be graphic novels, there might be audiobooks. So how have you seen summer reading change, um, you know, over the amount of time that you've been doing it?
1: Right. We um, let... Patrons of all ages—the uh, kids, the teens, or the adults—count either the, pa- the the number of minutes they read, which accumulates into the five hours, the fifteen hours, and the thirty hours, or the number of pages. And it's so each just one point, so they they um, correspond to each other because it's just different. You know, if you're, it just depends on if you're a new reader it may take you forever to read a very short book and it may make more sense and be more reasonable to be able to count the number of minutes you read versus the pages in that book itself to help you that those goals be attainable just depending on the reader but yes we um count everything everything counts as reading as you said graphic novels audiobooks, books um ebooks of course um we want to make it as easy as we can and what we try to encourage parents to do especially since the adult prizes are so cool is you know I've got a, a three-year-old myself, so that time that you're that I'm reading to him not only counts for his time for the program, but it counts as the adult program. that They can count that same reading, so they're not, you know, they're they're really getting credit, so to speak, um, for that for that time they're spending engaging with books.
2: And I was also going to say that um, we also have a pre-reader or a baby summer reading program. So um, this is for it has early literacy activities that parents and caregivers can do with their uh, child. So um, things like sing the itsy bitsy spider with your baby or um, um, they focus on, a lot of them focus on the every child ready to read um, early literacy skills. So things like playing, talking, singing, reading and writing. Um, so those are the, um, different activities and things that parents and caregivers can do with their, their kids. Um, for their babies, their pre-readers.
0: And by the way, I will mention to our listeners, we will have a link on our podcast page to the Charleston County Public Library website and their summer online programs. So that's ccpl.org slash summer online. And again, you can find that link. And we'll also have a link to something that the South Carolina State Library puts together for all the public libraries in the state. And that is our Summer Reading LibGuide, or LibGuide, however you'd like to say that. And um, one of the things that the, that resource provides for all the public libraries is information about attaining the goals of summer reading and. Uh, Just data information, summer reading grants. There's also a teen video challenge information about performers that uh, libraries can use uh, for summer reading program. And one of the other things is the CSLP resources and for our listeners can uh, one of you or both of you talk about what is CSLP and how does that factor into how you host summer reading programs. Definitely. Uh, CSLP
1: stands for the Collaborative Summer Library Program, and they um, provide the artwork we use um, for the summer reading program each year. They, have, they put together some fun program ideas because each year has a different theme. So this year's theme is Imagine Your Story. So they put together a guide of suggested programs of what that could look like for different ages, mm-hmm. and we use some of those. And of course, the creative folks at the, at the branches themselves um, developed great programs surrounding that theme. So imagine your story could be anything from mythology, fantasy, fairy tales. Uh, even we took it as literally as telling a story and tied it into our the second um, we series that we've done called Girls on the Beat, where we work with um, journalists in the, uh, last year it was just local journalists, but this year being virtual, we got to expand to national journalists uh, where they do a week long camp for teen girls. To tell them about um what a career in journalism might look like and the different paths that might, might take so um we uh put together some really fun programs we're, we did um an adult trivia we're doing a weekly adult trivia night but we did a special one tied into harry potter and we're doing one upcoming on game of thrones so for the grown-ups uh and we've done of course a lot of um great fairy tale programs like we did um a cooking program called fairy tale foods where we talked about a particular fairy tale and then made a recipe that corresponds to that fairy tale and of course taught people how to how to make that and tied in some food literacy knowledge with that Um, so it it helps sets the the theme for each year and then gives us
0: the spark to create programs around it what are some of the other kinds of i mean you mentioned a lot of different uh, programs but what are some of the other kind of online programs that um that the library is offering and maybe some of the challenges that you have had to face with those.
2: One of our, of course, uh, bread and butter programs is our summer or our story times. So that we immediately started offering uh, virtually when we went into uh, quarantine due to COVID. And while we were in um, quarantine and while the library was closed and staff was working from home, definitely the Biggest challenge was um, making sure that you had the proper technology, uploading, downloading um, the videos and sharing them. So that there definitely was a, a lag time. Um, and you know, staff that were first starting out thought maybe it was just on their end. Like, why is this happening to me? But then we all soon realized that it was happening to everybody. So um, that was always comforting (laughs) to know that it wasn't just your um, computer or your technology. So we figured we did some troubleshooting, figured out different ways um, to be able to uh, get those videos to our um, communication staff so they could broadcast them on our Facebook page. But um, now that we are staff are at least back in the the branches. Um, We do have a communications team that will, if if staff are not able to record the videos on their own, um, they can come out to the branch and record. Um, We also can still do Facebook Live. I know some staff are not as comfortable doing a live video, um, but the engagement with live videos is really fantastic. So, we always encourage that. Um, and um, so I would definitely say story times. Um, we also have been offering uh, some different programs that focus on uh, different children's fiction titles. So some of our branches have been offering um, a magic tree house program where they focus on a different uh, title and then they'll do um, a craft activity based around that. And uh, we have STEM programs where they might do science experiments and then show them how they can do it at home. We've also worked with some community partners. Um, these are programs that or yeah, these are programs that we have had in our library and may have already uh, scheduled Um, to be there in the summer, but since we weren't able to do in-person programs, they were able to go out. Um, I have one librarian that actually went out to um, film the Clemson Master Gardeners. Um, They usually come to the library for a monthly program and they're super excited, but they didn't have the um, technology. I think they're having problems with their Wi-Fi. Um, So anyways, they do things like create a fairy garden, um, And then we've also been working with the Low Country Food Bank with a Cooking Matters program and also the Gullah Geechee uh, Commission. So they had some uh, storytelling programs. So lots of lots of good programs that we've still been able to offer. And those are all on our Facebook page. So you can still view the archives for those.
0: In fact, I think I have shared some of those low country food bank uh cooking youtubes that that they have posted as we kind of wrap up our conversation, one of the things that I think is very difficult to try to deal with is how are you able to reach or work with families who don't have internet at home?
1: That's truly been one of the um the biggest challenges thus far I mean especially because you know, ordinarily we we would be out in the community uh, doing outreach, and we really you know until um, our leadership team—they're very, of course, thankfully concerned about the safety of staff—and until they okay that, we won't be resuming. You know, us being physically out in the community, but we um, work with some of our community partners to give them re- resources. Like we started right before COVID, pretty much we started in, in outreach a community collection where we use books that have been discarded or donated or That we've purchased ourselves that don't circulate from the library they're part of the library's collection that we just get like we give to the community so they have access to books so we've worked with the food bank to deliver some of those during when they distribute their summer meals in rural areas and um, worked with um, uh, WIC centers and um, different community groups to get those books into people's hands and of course information about the summer reading program because of course you know some of the folks we work with we can go drop off for them and we can also drop off prizes so if they have kids you know we've got a rural community center in, in Wadmalaw, um, where the kids there are doing the program and we let them know that when they finish we will come bring those prizes to them and you know do a sort of a contactless drop off um, so that we can still reach them as much as we can but that's definitely been the biggest challenge of this post-COVID um, world so we're, we're always looking for ways to, to continue to grow and adapt.
0: It really is a challenge because when you're working with, you know, in South Carolina is a very rural state. And so there are still a lot of folks out there who don't have internet access at home and have really come to rely on the library for, you know, wifi access, if they have a device they want to use or even checking out devices that they're able to use. So, And thankfully
1: um, we shouted this from the rooftops right after COVID happened was that people could access wi- our, our Wi-Fi for free from our parking lots. So they could pull up, you know, assuming they had a vehicle or they could, you know, be outside of the library, even if we weren't open and access that, life, that free Wi-Fi. And also, like you said, I mean, we, the summer feeding program is such a huge part of what we do each year that thankfully, um, because our partnership with Charleston County School District, I mean, they're amazing. They, you um, deliver hot lunch to seven of our branches, and they do that three days a week. But for each day they come, if a kid comes you know, on a Monday, they get a hot lunch, but then they also get food for that following day. So CCSD is helping us provide these folks with food for seven days a week, you know, they're only there for three days. Um, so we're able, and then we do um, also a snack program with Low Country Food Bank. So 10 of our branches, all the ones that are eligible for summer feeding, we've been able to keep that going consistently. And of course, through seeing those kids and those teens, because it's open to anyone under under eighteen, um, also spreading the word about summer reading and things the, the library's resources. So we're doing
0: what we can. <laughs> well, it's actually it's kind of like what aren't you doing, you know? Because libraries really, really do try to um, cover every base that they possibly can because communities are so so varied. So kind of in wrapping up, what projects are you working on for the fall, and how are you going about even planning? Yeah, we've got some exciting things on the horizon. Um, I'll let Jackie talk
1: about some of the children's stuff, but just for teens and adults, we are working on a series of programs around voter engagement. So we're doing um, programs geared towards teens that are going to be eligible to vote in November, as well as of course adults. Um, to, to how do I fill out a form? Where, where do I? How do I register? All the 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 need to knows surrounding voting. Um, And um, we are also working on (laughs) I've been told that the term adulting is not a. the teens don't think that's cool anymore and they laugh at us when we use that but we are working on a series for teens um, showing them life skills either to get them ready for college or to join the workforce so not adulting we'll think of a cooler term for that but we've got a couple series for for those folks that we're working on and then of course continuing it's been easier actually to get author talks um, for adults. Um, I think, you know, before, of course, people, you know, travel was a factor. I mean, it, the cost was a little prohibitive for us. Um, but now I think people are, uh, authors are realizing, you know, this is, gonna, this is all it is for a while. I mean, it's virtual. So it's been a little more easier for us to um, get some cool um, author talks that we're working on uh, for the fall and beyond. And Jackie has some really cool stuff for childrens that she'll tell you about
2: yes so we have um because kids are maybe getting ready to go back to school (laughs) so we are planning a virtual kindergarten boot camp uh, which in person we would normally have some different stations and do the different things that kids can expect for when they go to kindergarten but we're going to focus on um more of what parents can expect and kind of how they can um do these things with their kids um at home um to get them ready so we're we're focusing on that i'm working with um the school maybe have a kindergarten teacher to come on and kind of talk about um changes and different things that kids can expect when they go to kindergarten and then we're also planning a virtual touch a truck program where we're going to have different um big trucks big vehicles that kids can see virtually. So things like we're, we're gonna highlight our new mobile library, uh, fire truck, some construction vehicles, maybe have an ambulance, um, different uh, things that kids like to see. And so we're planning um, to offer that as a weekly virtual program. And then we'll have it on our website, tie it into our collection and have some uh, different transportation theme books so that families can um, place holds on that. So yeah, we're we're kind of trying to think outside the box and uh, do things that we can and do things differently. So still engage uh, families and kids in the fall.
1: And I well, if right, I didn't shout out our uh, wonderful tech team and our workforce development committee because they they do regular programs as well that we um, have online about helping people develop workforce skills and technology skills so they really we've got some some talented folks sharing sharing their wisdom.
0: <laughs> well, it's certainly a completely new world, and libraries have been having to adapt and figure out how we're going to operate and uh, continuing in that uh, focus of, of being able to support our communities. So that's the most important thing. And um, it's really great what all the stuff that you guys are doing and, and all the other libraries who are paying close attention to, you know, opening back up and, and supporting their communities. And it's, it's just really important. So thank you for all you're doing. Also, thank you for being with us today.
2: Of course. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you. This was a lot of fun.
0: And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We also love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.